I also did watch a lot of football on television, which I think really benefited me. You know, just watching a lot of football and then you try to emulate, you know, obviously your football idols at that time. That was maybe my way of learning because I didn't have a goalkeeper coach. Welcome to Across the Line. Today, we've got a great episode for you. Patrick Dato is on the show, one of only two homegrown Filipino players applying their trade abroad. He's got plenty of information to share with us, how he made it over to the Thai League, the experience over there, some of his highs, some of his lows, and looking back at what has been an eventful eight-year career so far as a professional footballer. If you enjoyed this episode with Patrick Dato, please do subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts, and look for us on social media over Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Without further ado, on this Football Friday, it is Patrick Dato. Fresh from evening training, joining us from Supanburi in Thailand. He's made time for us here on Across the Line. Patrick Dato is on the program. I appreciate you taking the time for us. Uh, how's it going, man? Uh, first of all, Jing, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Um, I'm always happy to see familiar faces from, from uh, the Philippines. You know, I haven't been home for a long time. Um, I'm okay. I'm, I'm great here. You know, uh, I think the, the COVID situation in Thailand is better compared to back home, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I mean, football is, is um, doing great. Our league has already started like a month ago. So everything is almost back to normal uh, in, in, in Thailand, actually. That's awesome, man. Um, I, I've seen that you guys are, what, eight games in to the league now? Um, since the restart, we played already four games and then four games. Before. So yeah, you're correct. Eight games in. Wow. Eight games in um, the season. And um, you guys are scheduled to play how many games? 30 matches? Um, 50, yeah, 30. 15 times, yeah. 30 matches. Wow. So it will run, it will run until uh, April next year. And we also have the, the Chang FA Cup. So that is still pushing through. Um, the other League Cup, I think that's the one that's cancelled. So there's going to be, the league is going to be until April and then the Cup is, I don't know, it's already starting, but um, it was the lower seed teams first. So I think last week, um, some of the teams already played the qualifying matches. So I don't know when we start to play. So obviously, I think the first division teams are higher seeded. So I think we play a little bit later. Mm. But still, a lot of games for you to look forward to, man. That's yes, uh, yes, definitely. Uh, that's definitely going to be a, a great experience for you. But you've been with the club for quite a bit of time now. How long has it been now that you've been with um, Super a little, a little over a year, like around one year and three months, one year and two months, something like that. So that's a lot so, of matches yeah. there in Thailand already. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's. it's um, my, my 19th game, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 19th game. Now, at the moment, you are one of only two Filipino homegrown players that are playing abroad right now. What do you think about holding such a distinction? How do you feel mm. about that? Yeah, actually, I didn't, um, I didn't really notice that um, when I played here. It's only when I think I saw this um, article from social media that you know, I was the, me and Amani were, were um, like a blue, some, some sort of like a blueprint for, for, no, for the local boys back home because we're homegrown and we've played, played abroad. And obviously, I think I want to also give a shout out to Marco. Marco is also one homegrown player who has played 
played outside the country last year. So, you know, when I read that article, and it starts to sink in, like, actually, yeah, you know, that's a really good um, milestone to have, I guess, you know, like one of the few players who were able to go outside the country and, you know, have him played and been raised um, in the Philippines. So, yeah, it's, I'm really proud to, to represent Philippines uh, over here in Thailand. And I think um, many Filipinos actually are doing really well here and we're really proving ourselves to uh, outside the country. Was that something that you always wanted to do, play abroad? Like when you started your career, was that something that was in the back of your head? Honestly, no. You know, I'm, I'm, I was really happy playing at home. Um, the UFL and the PFL, the UFL at one point was, was really, for me, was really a, a great um, league, a really great competition to be at. You know, there were, there were a lot of interest at, at, at a certain part of time. And it was, you know, it was a livelihood for many of us, many of the players. And it, it was doing really well, you know, but obviously some unfortunate things um, happened and, you know, it just like the league just went, I just deteriorated little by little. Um, and, you know, it just forced, forced um, many players, not just me, to really explore options abroad because, you know, for us really, this is our livelihood, you know, and we really depend on this, you know, for, to, to, pay, for, to pay our bills for practical reasons, you know. So it's really unfortunate. But if I was really, um, if I had the, the, the choice, I would really stay in the Philippines and play over there because, um, there's nothing like playing at home, you know, where your family is, where your friends are, you know, the country, the culture is, is very familiar to me, you know, so, um, yeah, but unfortunately I have to explore options outside, so it's okay. It's, it seems to have panned out all right. I mean, you're, you're over yeah, there yeah, it, it um, in Thailand. And how's the experience been? Obviously, Supanburi, for, for a lot of people, when they think of Thailand, they think of two, one of two places, right? They think of Bangkok or they think of Phuket, right? Those yes, are the two yes. places that they normally think of. Everything else in between is kind of lost, lost in the mix. So how would you describe Supanburi? Oh, it's, a, it's more laid back compared to Manila, obviously. It's, it's, um, it's a province around 90 minutes away from Bangkok, so it's not so bad, you know? And I think it, it has been a different lifestyle for me, um, completely different from how I normally live in Manila. And I think it's, it's a good experience because, you know, um, for a football player, I think this kind of lifestyle is perfect. You know, there's not a lot of stress. Um, it's really laid back and there's really nothing much to do except to really focus on your craft and, you know, focus on, of course, also um, making yourself better and, you know, doing the things that, that is good for you. So um, there's no, like the traffic, there's no traffic um, going to and from places over here um, and all of that stuff. But if you feel like you need to go to a city, which is Bangkok, it's just 90 minute drive away. So over the weekend, you can just go there if you feel like, you know, you, you feel like you want some sort of civilization uh, mm -hmm. at a certain time. But I think this lifestyle is actually really great for a football player because there's really no stress, it's really laid back, it's really relaxed. So you're, I think your body will always be in a great, in a great um, state and also your mind. So now that you're isolated over there, obviously 
not a lot of Filipinos that, that uh, you get to spend a lot of time with over there, particularly in Supanburi. Yeah. So you're locked into your craft. Is this the most focused you've been in your footballing career, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Um, especially during the lockdown, you know, like there's not really much you can do except for, you know, focus on training. Um, and also when there's no trainings at that time, you have to try to find other ways to, to be productive or find ways to, you know, improve um, your body, improve your, your mind and everything else. So, yeah, I think this is the most I've been focused um, for those that are unaware of the Thai league, right? I mean, for most Filipino football fans, they may be aware with the AFC Cup, perhaps as the highest level of club football. Um, I doubt that many have gone out and watched Thai league matches, right? Because it's just simply not too available here in the Philippines. But how would you describe the level of play, right? I mean, in comparison to, let's say, the AFC Cup and the PFL, two stages where you've had an opportunity to play yourself. Obviously, I think the Thai league is um, the football is the level of football is higher compared to the, to the compared to the PFL. Um, there's a lot of I think the foreign there's a lot of really good foreigners over here, uh, mostly Brazilians, and they really make a difference in every club, you know. And obviously, also playing in different stadiums where there are a lot of um, there are more people who are watching, so the pressure is also higher, and the stakes are also higher, which you know, enables the players also to increase their level of play because, you know, the occasion is bigger than, than um, back home, the PFL. The AFC Cup, I think, is pretty close, but I, I still think that um, the Thai League is a little bit really higher compared to the level of AFC Cup. Um, at least on the ASEAN zone. You know, mm. outside of the ASEAN zone and AFC Cup, I think there are a lot of clubs were playing at a really high level as well. But um, from my experience, I think it's a little bit higher than AFC Cup and it's higher than the PFL. The stakes are high. The stakes are, you know, bigger and there's more pressure. And yeah, you know, the, your opponents are of higher quality, especially the foreigners. But um, that being said, I still think that the Filipinos really can thrive over here as shown by, you know, many players already. I think many of the players back home that I have played against, I'm pretty sure that they're going to do well when, if they're given a chance to play over here. Yeah. So um, that's the, the thing that I, that I always try to tell um, my friends or my former teammates back home when they ask me about Thai League. Because I want to tell them that hey, you can also do it. You, know, you, can, you can really do it. Like, um, the, Filipino, the Filipino players' skill level is not very far from the Thai players level, really. And I think that shows in, in the national team, you know, the last game I think we played against Thailand was the draw, 1-1 one, one yeah. draw. And in the AFC Cup, also the Filipino clubs are dominating most of the time. So that just goes to prove um, my point, I think. It's quite interesting that you say that, you know, because most of the homegrown players, they're desperate to play AFC Cup, right? Because that's the chance for them to measure themselves on an Asian stage. But if you're lucky, you get to, I mean, not when you're lucky, but I mean, you get to play six games. If you're lucky, you get yeah. to play a few more than that, right? But if you're playing at the Thai league level, if you're saying that the level is at par or if not better than the AFC Cup, that's 30 matches a year at least that you get exposed to that kind of level. I mean, your progress as a football player is going to go through the roof 
in that regard, right? I mean, if you're trying to expose yourself to the highest possible level in order to improve yourself, then it's, it's pretty clear cut which direction would be better for your footballing career, right? I think you hit the nail on uh, the head. Like, that's exact. That's the 100% true, you know. Um, like what you said, like, if you play this kind of level for a regularly week in, week out, mm. then you're really going to be a better player. You know, you're really going to be a much better player and um, you're going to be used to this kind of pressure to play in front of many people, to play, um, you know, at, bigger, at higher stakes. But like, for example, in PFL, um, there are some games that, you know, you play against a team that, you know, that is a little bit below par. And then in the AFC Cup also, like what you said, it's only six games mm. um, of high level of competition. And then, you know, you get to play a couple more for the semifinal and the final if you make it. Um, but that's the difference, I think, from the Thai players and maybe the Filipino players is that, that they're really exposed to this level of competition week in, week out. So it's, really that mm. it's really innate in them already. It's like second nature. Whereas for the Filipinos, when the bigger occasion comes, then it's like something that um, they're not super comfortable with. You know, right. some players still thrive, which is good, but some players, you know, you cannot blame them because they need more experience. Yeah. So maybe after a few games of of like of um of matches in that level, then maybe that's the only time that they can um you know match up to that level. So I think that's really yeah, I think that you're exactly right in, in that regard. That is quite interesting. You know, there's there's a few players like Joven Bidik, for example, in his first AFC Cup, not that great. Second AFC Cup, woof, quite a few goals already. This last AFC Cup is just like he feels at home, you know? So um, it takes a little bit of time for people to kind of uh, acclimate yeah. to the level, right? Was there a lot of shock for you when you were first there at the Thai League? Um, was there a moment like, whoa, this is something that I'm not used to at all? Um, I wouldn't say so because when I came here, I expected already. I, I put my expectation really high, you right. know? I, I really thought that oh, the level is going to be super high. It was my first time uh, playing Thai League, obviously. So I tried to expect, you know, the, the, the highest level of competition that I, I played. But, you know, um, I've played also the national team, like a few games. And I would say that some of the games in the national team were actually even harder mm -hmm. compared to the Thai League. So, um, but every game is hard in, in Thai League, you know. And... When you get used to it, like what I said, when you get used to it, then you get comfortable. Then you know how to react, you know um, what to do, and you handle yourself better. So, yeah, at the end of the day, again, it's, you know, your exposure to, the, to that level. I think it's the important thing that when you're con constantly exposed to this kind of competition, then I think that's natural that your learning curve will, will um, be accustomed to that. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that that, that article um, that, that, that was circulating in, in social media, it's actually Neil Etheridge speaking about you in glowing terms, saying that yourself and Amani Aguinaldo, as you mentioned, are opening doors for a lot of homegrown players to make a career out of football, a real career out of football, because um, there are examples, in fact, of COVID here in the Philippines pushing people out of the game. As, as we speak, you know, so, you know, yeah. they're being able to look at you and, and, and see the kind of career that you're able to carve out for yourself. Do you feel as if that is going to be the case? You know, um, uh, perhaps setting a trend where more homegrown players will start 
having ambitions of playing in, in, in Thailand? I think so, yeah. You know, I think it started also with, with how many Filipinos uh, playing in Thai League and then now we're like, I think 14 or 15 something mistaken. So the trend is, I think it's already there that more Filipinos are, are, um, are trying to, to play in Thailand because Thailand is one of the best leagues in ASEAN. And example, Justin Bass just signed recently for Ratchaburi. So again, the trend is, is that the trend is pointing that way. Yeah. You know, but I'm a little bit torn in between with this because, you know, as much as I would want the best Filipinos to, you know, showcase their talent in, in Thailand, but I would also want the Philippine League to have the best Filipino players also playing in that league. Right. Because how because I want the also to develop um, a league of, of its own. So if all the play all the quality players are going abroad, then how can I expect the PFL's level to, to be higher if you know um, like what I said that the the top quality players are leaving for Thailand. Yeah. So but you know obviously for practical for practicality reasons as uh, again then you cannot blame also the players if they would want to play abroad because you know in terms of uh, monetary reasons then it's really it's really um, more beneficial for a player at the moment to to play abroad so i hope that that's what i really also was hoping that i hope that the pfl would you know would develop um faster i don't know how that's possible and if it's possible but i hope that the pfl will because um even for myself i want to come back to play again in the pfl in the future Mm. Um, honestly, because like what I said, I really want to play back home, you know, in front of my family, where my friends are, and you know, and in in playing in the Philippines is just something that I cannot compare. No matter how how great the league is here, it's just that feeling at home for me is sometimes more important than anything else. That that'll put a lot of people at ease, you know. At least they're not going to worry too much that Patrick Dito is going to spend his entire career abroad. At some point, you're still going to come home. We're going to be able to yeah, definitely. I really want to. Your talents here. That's great. Um, one thing I'm interested in, and perhaps a lot of fellow homegrown footballers will be very interested to find out, what was the process like in securing your transfer to Thailand? Like, how did that come about, right? I mean, you were playing football for Stallion at the time in 2019. Yes, yes. Um, that's in the PFL, obviously, right? 2019, if I, if I, if I think back... Um, wasn't a great year for Stallion. It wasn't particularly um, an impressive one or something that would stand out, but um, you still were able to secure that transfer. How did, tell me about that experience. Uh, you know, Jay, it's super, it's really random how it happened. You know, I was, um, I believe that 2019, the league started a bit late. There mm-hmm. was some uncertainty, you know, um, yeah, some uncertainty with the PFL. I think it started uh, almost June. I'm not mistaken, or May, something like that. Yeah. I think May, May or April, something like Might that. Might be May, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, uh, at that time, I was also injured. I had my, my, my um, surgery with my finger. That's so right. I couldn't play until March or April anyway. So it was actually, for me, it was not a problem, you know, the, the delayed restart because I was injured anyway. So actually, it was good for me that I was not missing any games, that I had time to prepare and to get back fit. So, um, Saying that, I played for Stalin for only around four games or five games. Mm. And like what you said, you know, it was not, a, it's not the best of years. And I was not really able to showcase my talent that much in, in the Stalin team. 
But it just one day, you know, just an agent messaged me that there's a team that's interested in signing me. And I've received this message so many times that nothing really materialized. So I just thought that, yeah, this is one of those. And that was also the time when I was starting to adjust to life with Stallion. And I was starting to, okay, you know what? Um, I'm starting to to enjoy it. We were, we were going to play, I think, Ceres and then Kaya the following week. So it was like something I was looking forward to, like big games. Um, but yeah, then this call happened. And then and at first, I didn't think it was serious. So I, I messaged the, the person and then apparently it was. So I said, oh, this is a great opportunity for me, but I have a, I have a contract with, with Palace at the time until the end of the year. So I said, I don't think I can go, but, you know, let me just, um, I spoke to Ernie, to, to the coach, to Ernie, and I told him, look, there's an offer for me. It's a really great opportunity for me. Um, I want to go because, you know, it's something that doesn't come very often. But if you don't want me to go, I totally understand because I signed a contract and I would honor that contract. It's not a problem for me. So it's like I'm give, I was giving him a decision mm. because honestly, also on my part, uh, not going to lie, I think I was a bit also scared to go out of my comfort zone. Okay. That, that I, was, I was probably telling myself, yeah, if Ernie says I cannot leave, then I cannot blame myself for not taking the opportunity. You know, it was like something, I was a bit scared, which was uh-huh. not good, but that's how I saw it. So I said, okay, I'm putting the decision in your hands. And, um, you know, without hesitation, he told me, you know what, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you go mm-hmm. as long as if you come back to the Philippines, you come back to our club. So I said, okay, fair enough. Um, and he also requested that, you know, I, I transfer the week after because, like what I said, we had the Ceres game uh, mm-hmm. upcoming. So he wanted to play at least me for one last game. So I said, okay, I spoke to the agent and then the agent got everything uh, sorted out. And then after like, uh, few days I was already on the way to, to Thailand so oh, wow. it was like uh, five days everything just turned around completely which was really um, extraordinary really <laughs> that's incredible man okay this might seem like a strange question but what do you pack for a trip like that uh, <laughs> I was probably thinking the same way that you did I, I, I didn't know what to pack you know I didn't know how long I was going to be there and you know I just packed all my my football stuff that I normally need. I packed um, enough amount of clothes and all the things that I need. So, you know, and Natasha was going to follow the following week, I think. So I said that if, if I left anything that she could just bring it for me. But yeah, it was, it was really, everything was entirely new for me. Um, so it was a first. So, you know, I just tried to, cope the best way I can with the situation. And, and how was that? Like your first week there, that must have been crazy. You're like in a different place, you're um, not in a big city, right? Uh, new people, everything, everybody's a stranger. What was that, what was that experience like? And like what I said, it was, I was really scared at first, you know. Um, it was my first time to play outside of the country. You know, I've transferred clubs before in, within the... PFL and you know if you transfer if you transfer comes to the PFL you know it's a small community you know people from different clubs it's not going to be as hard as here where I don't know anybody except for Silva at that moment and the language I don't speak the language you know I didn't know really what to expect yet at that time so it was really scary but you know I just kept telling myself that you have nothing to lose you know if 
if you don't do well or or the worst happens, then you just come back home uh, with that experience after a few months and you just continue with how you were um, where you were in the first place. So, but there was really nothing to lose for me. That's mm. what um, I told myself every time, you know, to get rid of the of the fear that I had. That that's quite interesting, man. Because I feel like you voicing that out puts a lot of people at ease because it's easy to think that this is what's best for your career, but also like it's terrifying. Like me as yeah, a person, me as a person, I'm like you, like, I don't want you to take me out of my comfort zone and pl place me somewhere where I don't know anyone. And you know, it's going to be weird. Like I'm going to have to adjust a lot in order to, to find my bearings. And that prospect is terrifying. Like I don't, I don't want to do that regardless of how much you're going to pay me. Yeah. hundred percent, you know, and that's, that's, um, I think, when you realize, when you start to go out of your conversation, that's when you realize where your, your growth really is. And when you start doing it, um, and you know, you start doing well, and then you start feeling good about yourself that, hey, actually, I didn't know I had this capability before mm -hmm. this. So it opens many other things. So, you know, as the cliche goes, um, you have to get out of your comfort zone in order to grow. And mm -hmm. it cannot be um, more true than that, really, you know, so. I think that's really a great insight also for, for me to realize that. And, you know, that's what I also try to tell um, the people, you know, who, who ask me about my experience because I want to share that experience that, you know, sometimes I really have to. And there's nothing wrong if you, if you go out of your comfort zone and then if you don't do well, there's nothing wrong. You don't lose anything. You can just go back to where you are in the, um, to begin with anyway. Mm. But if you do do well, if you really do well, then the you know, the good things really outweigh the, the, the cons of the situation. Right, right. The upside is huge, right? That's why yeah, you, exactly. you, you mentioned Marco earlier. Much respect to that kid. You know, he's at Kaya now, so I get a little bit of time to speak with him. But 21 years of age, man, like to go, to go out of your comfort zone the way you have, but as nine years younger, it's like, what? That's, that takes a lot of maturity for that kid to do that. So um, it's not easy. It's, it's definitely not easy. Um, for you, what has stood out? Um, in your time there, uh, almost a year. Uh, any highs, uh, any lows that, that, that stand out to you? Um, the highs are probably, yeah, you know, doing well during the games. You know, I believe that my first season, I really had a decent season. It was really difficult because I came into the, to the team that we were really dead last and we were really far away from from safety, but I think the second round we were able to completely turn it um, around. That we were, we almost survived. Um, we almost um, survived relegation. We just, it's just that we lost to the champions on the last day that we dropped out. You know, so from being numbers number uh, sixteen, we climbed to number thirteen, and then we just fell to number fourteen on the last day. So. If you look at it in that perspective, I think it was really a good, good um, achievement to turn it around. If there are some um, stats, you know, that they showed the table only for the second round that we were around number 10 or number 9. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. the, league, the league is the entirety of it. So we got relegated. But obviously, fortunately, one team decided to, to um, stop the operations, you know. So that kept us in T1. We were the last team. Oh, wow. To, to survive. So actually, that really made us feel good that, you know, all of our hard work did pay off. Because yeah. if we didn't work hard, if we just allowed, you know, our 
our our um, league position to stay as it is, then we would have been really relegated. But since we climbed two two spots up, then that really made a difference. Although we really needed some luck with that. But yeah, that's probably the, the high that you know that, that every game, every game that you play that you do well. You know, I did. Um, there were a couple of games last year where I was given the man of the match, so that was really also something that I was really proud of. And if there was a low, yeah, it's probably the, the last game of the season where we, we got relegated. You know, at that, at that time, I really thought that we were going to get relegated. And I thought that, you know, that my contract had that stipulation that if we do get relegated, that they would, um, they would, they would release me. They would continue with me. So it was a bit disappointing a few days. But after, a few, after you know, a couple of weeks, they, they called me to to give the good news and I was really happy. So that's probably the high also, you know, that we were able to stay in the first division despite that difficult um, first round. So when I, when I look back at your career, the last time I was able to speak with you at any sort of like interview capacity was six years ago. That was in 2014. Um, I think you were just on the verge of uh, you had played a nice game with the Ascals. I think you were just on the verge of moving to Global. If not, you were already at Global. But you were like a young upstart. Like you were hot stuff back then. And now you are eight years later into your career and you find yourself in Thailand. Um, when you look back at all the years that have gone by, like uh, what, do you, what sticks out to you? Like um, what, what can you say about your, your career so far? Um, I would, I would probably think that uh, you know my career has has progressed steadily, which I think um, was something that's really important. You know, there are, I think there are a lot of players who who progressed um, really quick, but then just faded out also mm. um, instantly. But for me, it was I think just really steady, sustainable progress. You know what is I think what happened to me, which was I think what worked. Um, you know, from like what you said, you know, I was I played the in, in Green Archers. You know, it, I used that as a stepping stone to to get noticed, and then eventually I was able to move to a bigger club in Global, and then I was able to also um, get called up for national team regularly, despite not playing that much, and then getting a few games with the national team. And then, you know, it's a steady progress, step by step. And just, I think, um, trying to really improve every single day, uh, no matter how small it is, you know, that's just the goal. Because I don't really, I don't really, like what I said, I didn't even expect for, I didn't even expect to play outside the country. You know, I don't, I don't set goals for myself that are um, really far away. Because it's, in football, there's so many things that can happen. and it's, will change everything you know that for me it's just you just have to take it day by day i think you know wherever you are right now then try to be the best that you can be and then try to improve in whatever small way that you can the next day and then the following day and the following day and then you know see where that takes you and that just has been my mindset the whole time you know i don't really okay you know in five years i want to play here but i don't really do that because you can never tell you know you can you have so many things that are out of your control that will yeah. change situations and I think it's just better to to focus on small increments of progress every single day. 
and when you look back at all of it, there's a compounding effect, right? I mean, eventually when you look back eight years, it's like, wow, focusing on the next yes. day and just slowly improving has gotten me to this point. And if, I don't know if your Wikipedia is accurate, but it says that, that you started a pachanga. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, like back up to Kim Versalles or what? I played in pachanga, but I don't know if, I played in one competition, you know, uh, it was the under, it was the, it was like the Suzuki club championship, something like that. Really? You know, so yeah, Suzuki club championship. So I played for Pachanga. We reached the semifinals, we lost the global. Uh, it was my first taste of professional football. And then Pachanga joined the USL cup. Yeah. You know, and I was supposed to play there, but at that time the UAAP had a rule that you cannot play in a professional tournament. So right. I was just part of the team, but I was not playing. And then eventually, eventually, you know, uh, I had uh, the coach Hanks brought me to, to Green Archers instead. Right. You know, so I never got, I, I, yeah, I played one, one tournament with Pachanga, but it was like four or five games. Was that under Noel Mercado? Or? Um, no, not, Noel was not yet there hmm. at, that, at my time. You know, when I played, the coach was, the goalkeeper coach was, I think, Kim. It was him. It was, it was Kim? He Kim was Versailles. the coach yeah, and player? Yeah, the goalkeeper coach. Yeah, I think so. And first choice, of course. <laughs> and the coach was, the head coach was, uh, I think it was Non-Effigidero. Non ah, I see, I see. So, um, yeah, that was, that was the time. And, uh, no, sorry, Nonoy was the coach when I couldn't play for, when I was in the UAP. It was Juan Cotillas who was the coach when I played. Oh, wow. Juan Gutierrez was our coach when I played in that tournament. And they changed him to Coach Nonay, but I was not able to play under Coach Nonay in Pachanga because of the UAP. So you had commitments to LaSalle. That's where you played, right? Yes. yes. Prior to that, you played high school where? In LaSalle Zubel, under Coach Hans as well. So. Coach Hans. And prior to that, you, I mean, did you go elementary in LaSalle also? Yeah. In, yeah, okay, so you're, you're fully green-blooded. You started your footballing yeah. career at what age? Um, very early. Uh, I would say seven years old. Okay. But, um, so from my understanding, though, you didn't play goalkeeper, right? You played field. My very first position was goalkeeper. Oh, that was, okay. That was when I, when I really started football. My very first um, activity of football, I played goalkeeper because no one, nobody was goalkeeper at that time. Were you a tall kid? Okay, might as well, I'll do it. Not really, but I said, I'll <laughs> do it because nobody, nobody was the goalkeeper. And then, you know, I played goalkeeper for a few years. And then at that level, you know, in the grassroots level, sometimes it gets boring. Especially if the games are one-sided and you want to yeah. get into the action. So I played, I tried to play field for uh, also a few years, around uh, three or four years. I, was, I, I thought that I was doing well. And then during high school, when it was a little bit serious, we didn't have a goalkeeper again. We had the same problem, you know. So I said, I'll just do it because I played goalkeeper before. And we cannot have, uh, our team cannot have uh, a half-hearted goalkeeper because we had a goalkeeper that was absent during some games and then we didn't have a goalkeeper that time. So it was really not doing any good for us. So I said, you know what, I'll just commit to being a goalkeeper so that we have a goalkeeper every single time. And that's when the, that's also when the competition was a, started to be a little bit serious, more serious. You know, it was the UAP junior, so I said, yeah, I'll do the goalkeeper. Then. From that point, I was a goalkeeper until, until today. Did you have a goalkeeper coach? 
my first goalkeeper coach was uh, Philip Dinglasan. I don't know if you know him. Mm-hmm. Um, he coached me occasionally um, in the UAP Junior. So that was high school. Uh, I, I was the fourth year high school. My regular um, goalkeeping coach experience started college, obviously, in the UAP with the Sal. So again, with him, Philip Dinglasan, and then Coach Lolong, Lolong Valencia, and then, yeah. That's crazy. Um, you started formally with a goalkeeper coach at almost college, right? Yeah, yeah. almost college. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of people who are, have this mindset that, you know, okay, we're so far behind our neighbors, right, um, in the region of Asia that we're going to need to make up that time, right? So we, don't, we shouldn't be impatient. There's got to be 10 years or so of development before we're able to match that level of play. But clearly, there are workarounds, right? I mean, you didn't go through a, a natural path for top-level goalkeepers, at least in this day and age, where there are academies left and right to teach you how to play goalkeeper correctly, right? But you didn't have to go through all that, yet you're still able to compete at such a high level. So what do you think that boils down to? You know, I think maybe people place weight on certain things, right? You need to have like your technique. You have to have the mentality. And uh, I suppose you have to be coachable. I don't know if there are other factors that play into it. Maybe you can enlighten me, but what do you think is the most important, right? Because clearly focusing so much on technique from a young age perhaps might not be as beneficial as we imagine it to be, right? Because you still were able to make up the technique gap uh, over the course of your, your, your college career. So what do you think is the most important, you know, like as you're developing as a, as a footballer, is it just to enjoy the game or what is it in your mind? I think it's to, to really play the game. Um, during my, my um, early years in my career, like I said, like the grassroots level, I didn't have a goalkeeper coach, but I was playing a lot of games. Mm. I was playing a lot of games, whether it was yeah, field player for a few years, goalkeeper for a few years, then back, and then back to goalkeeper again. I was playing a lot of games. I was, you know, at that, at that level, you don't have a backup goalkeeper. You just have one goalkeeper. So yeah. I would play all of the games. And I think that that's really important because that's where you get your first um, experiences of everything, you know, and then that you learn from. And, you know, just being exposed to different situations, I think, can make up for your lack of technique if you don't have a goalkeeper coach in an early mm. age. I also did watch a lot of football on television, which I think really benefited me. You know, just watching a lot of football and then you try to emulate, you know, obviously your football idols at that time. That was maybe my way of learning because I didn't have a goalkeeper coach. You know, but I think the most important thing is, yeah, just playing the game, you know, getting exposed to different types of situations, um, dealing with, with every, every aspect of the game. And, you know, like what you said also, at a young age, I think goalkeeping, uh, goalkeeping technique cannot also be um, totally 100% taught. I don't know. Like, for the young goalkeepers now, I think the, goal, the goalkeeper coach's goal also is to let them play. Mm. You know, the, the, the diving techniques, the catching techniques, whatever it is, I think that comes in the latter part of your career anyway. Because at a young age, you cannot also ex- expect them to 
to um, accumulate that information. You know, there, there's the, the goalkeepers are still young and you cannot expect them to to handle that delicate or that um, very specific information. Right. So I think, you know, uh, but still, I think college would be too late. I, I think now a lot of the goalkeepers are fortunate enough, like what you said, that there are a lot of goalkeeping um, programs or academies in the country, which really would help. But like with your, with your, going back to your question, it's really, I think, playing the games the most important at a young age. Right. So more competition. You stayed yes, competing exactly. all throughout, right? So that's, that's how you developed your experience. And you said you looked up to some individuals that you watched on TV a lot. Who were those goalkeepers that you, that you wanted uh, to emulate? Mostly, I think that was, you know, Iker Casillas because I was watching Real Madrid many times. But just every, just not basic, not just goalkeepers, you know, even the field players, watching how they kick the ball, mm. watching how they, they dribble, watching how they pass, watching everything that they do. You know, you just try to, you know, as a kid, I think that's, that's natural that you try to emulate your football idols in the pitch yeah. when you have your chance to play yourself. So uh, doing that, I think, would help, you know would help and then obviously if you supplement that with coaching then I think it's even better but yeah at that time you know you have to improvise and that's probably how I I really honestly really don't know how I was able to develop my skills as a goalkeeper because that is true that I started really late as a goalkeeper uh, with a goalkeeper coach it was not the first time that I, that I was asked this question but I think that's that helped me a lot those two now um like I said, it's been quite a career for you. Global was perhaps your first real big test um, after Green Archers and um, uh, a, a small part in Pachanga. But at what point in your career would you say that you were ready? Like you felt as if you were ready for big, big things. Like, um, you, yeah, I, I suppose I don't need to <laughs> rephrase that any more than that. Like at what point in your career? Was there a specific moment where you felt, man, I'm I'm pretty pleased with where I'm at right now as a as a goalkeeper. I think the the first experience would be with Global. Honestly, like uh, we had a really good year, 2016. I still believe up to this point that was the, my best year in my career when we won um, the double, you know, the cup in the league, and we were playing um, games every week and we were just dominating um, game after game after game. You know, we had that. I think that team had that. Extraordinary camaraderie. Um, we're not the most talented because at that time I think Serious was the most talented team, but we were we were still at the top of the league and we won the cup because you know we we were the best um, unit I think together. And at that time also I was really playing at a high level. You know, um, some people are saying to me that yeah you're playing at a high level, but it's still just the PFL or the UFL at that time. But I would, for me, I disagree that I really thought that I was playing at a high level that, to the point that I, I thought that I deserved to play the 2016 World Cup, which I didn't. Um, I thought I, I deserved to be the starter in that tournament. Unfortunately, the coach had, other, other, had another perspective to that, which is you know, not a problem for me. This is football. But I think that was really the best. Up to this point of my career, I think that was the best year of my career. And that's when I thought that, yeah, you know, I can really go to the next level. I think I can, even in the AFC Cup, I think I can, if I'm, if I'm thriving at 
at this level, AFC Cup, it means yeah that I could probably play abroad, but it's it's also not that easy, you know. Um, it doesn't. Sometimes playing abroad is not just how good you are, but you also need a lot of luck. You need a lot of connections. You need a good agent. You need the right timing, also, you know. So there's a lot of factors. That's why I was really content on playing in the Philippines. You know, as long as I play at a high level in the Philippines and the league at that time really was, I think was a, was really great. You know, we had a lot of good clubs. Miralco was still there. Kaya has always been there. Ferris and Global is there. And then, you know, you had uh, Stalin and JPV who are pushing the bigger teams. Yeah. You know, and then Davao came in, which really also invested um, money in the, in the sport. And they had also a good team. So the league was actually promising. You know, I would say promising. And I was really, really satisfied and content of just playing the Philippines. Um, I was making a decent living out of it. You know, I'm not making minutes, but I'm comfortable. So um, it was something that I was already happy to to be where I am at that point. You know, but yeah, like I said, fortunately, um, some unfortunate things happened in Philippine football that the league, you know, deteriorated a little bit. So hopefully it can go back to where it was again. That is, um, you know, uh, everybody's hope that um, you know, there's a lot of interesting individuals and characters who have made their way back into the game of Philippine football. So um, there are exciting prospects, although, you know, there are only six teams that are going to be playing in this season. Um, mm. The fact that there is going to be a season is actually a, um, a little bit of hope there for Philippine football fans that they're able to get yourselves together in a short period of time in a dynamic landscape and environment that is always changing but you're still able to put on the league. So hopefully that, that will bode well for the, for the future of uh, Philippine football. Um, but yeah, I mean, 2017, I, I was just thinking, you know, every week you get this sweaty palms, like you're nervous, like it's going to be a big game every week because as you said, Miralco, Global. Uh, yeah. Like, man, it was promising, you know, like you felt like there was so much quality in the league and, I honestly don't believe that that you know we're too far away from that. A few developments here and there, and things could change dramatically. But when you look at your future, your immediate future, you're looking at Supanburi. Obviously, your goal this year is to stay up, right? Um, a little bit of a downtrend lately, a little bit of a, a rough patch in in recent time. How are you guys dealing with that? And tell me what what's in store for you, Patrick? What are you focused on? Um, yeah, first the last three games was was a um, difficult result, especially the very last game, you know. Um, we lost to the, to the bottom team in the league, you know, and of course it was very painful. But actually the previous, the, the previous two results, I don't think it was a fair, fair reflection of our performance. I believe that we deserved, um, out of the last three, the last game, yeah, I think we deserved to lose. But like what I said, the first two games before the last one, I think we deserved at least three points out of the six or two points out of the six in that last, last in that two games. But yeah, that, you know, that's football and, you know, we're trying to stay positive. You know, we, I think we have been training really well the past few days. Um, last week we had double sessions um, in training, you know, to, to try to get better and to work harder because we had that opportunity. We had that, a little bit of extra time because of the uh, international break. You know, there were no, um, international games, but there was still an international break here in Thailand. So 
we took that opportunity to train a little bit more with that double sessions. And now we're preparing for our next game on Sunday. And I think we're getting better. Um, we look like we're positive again. And, you know, it's just sometimes the outcome is really out of your control. The only thing that we can control is our performance, you know, our attitude and our effort. And that's, I think, what we should focus on, you know, just give our 100% into the game, uh, follow the instructions of the coaches and maintain a good attitude uh, for the 90 minutes. And I think whatever happens after that is out of our control. And we can be pleased with ourselves if we do that, you know. And for me, for my immediate future, yeah, I would like to stay here in Thailand for um, at least a couple more years. You know, uh, I have extended my my contract until April, so until the end of the season. Um, and I hope to sign another season after that. Um, preferably, of course, with, with Supamburi, because I love the club, I love the city, really. Man, the players and the coaches are all um, great individuals. But if I have to move somewhere else, you know, I'm also open to that, you know, like, uh, like what we talked about earlier, sometimes you really have to go out of your comfort zone to see um, until where you can you can go, you know. And after that, you know, I would I'm really looking forward to going back to the Philippines and playing there again. You know, if that happens sooner than I want, than than how I want it, then I hope that the league will be in a better state, you know, because I could come back to the PFL as early as next year, you know, when my contract expires. And then if I don't get any more opportunity here, then I'll definitely go back to the Philippines. But ideally, around two, two more years before I come back home would be the perfect scenario for me, I think. That's really my, my goal. You know, I think I still have a lot to offer in this country. And I haven't even played the full season yet, you know, right. so... I still have. I think I. I still want to, to experience more things here in Thailand. Man, it's it's great to see you excited, motivated, and uh, uh, looking like you're thriving over there in Thailand. Um, you're a huge inspiration, I'm sure, to a whole bunch of homegrown players here who uh, look at you and see that you know it's possible. You know, even if you start a little bit later, uh, as long as you have the passion for the game and, and a drive to commit yourself to improving uh, all the time, and uh, when the time comes be willing to take that, 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 that risk and that willingness to put yourself out there and you could find yourself in a situation like yourself. And I think that's, that's huge. You know, that's a, it's, it's important to be able to see other people succeeding uh, in order to fuel your own motivation. And I think that could, could, could become uh, a real catalyst for more people to, to go down that road or be willing to take that risk. So congratulations to you on your move to Thailand and, and, and your, your situation over there on eight years as a professional footballer and, and making a great, uh, you know, uh, go at it. It's not easy, man, to, to make a career out of this football thing. You know, I, I just heard some news of, of individuals who are quite prominent and quite good, man, at a really high level who are thinking about enlisting into the army or the armed forces because it's come to that. Um, it's unfortunate. And, and it's, it's nice to, to see individuals like yourself, you know, thriving and getting that opportunity. So congratulations on that. And I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us here on Across the Line. Um, how do people find you? If, if they want to follow up on you or see how you're doing, to catch up on you, um, tell us how to do that. Um, first, uh, thank you, Jane, for, for, for you know, your, your words. Are very, uh, your very kind words. 
Um, you know, normally I, I put some updates in my social media, you know, about the games or about what I'm currently doing. Um, I'm also reachable through that, um, that channel, you know, it's my social media, social media. And yeah, I think basically that's, that's how they can get updates from me at the moment, you know, um, uh, the tiling, like what you said, is a little bit, um, difficult to access in that, in, in Philippines, although there are, there are, um, websites and apps that are showing them because I've seen um, several people, you know, um, who are able to watch. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully um, the, the Thai League will be able to broadcast the games, you know, to, the, to its ASEAN neighbors because there are really a lot of ASEAN uh, players who are playing the Thai League, not just Filipinos, but also, um, you know, Singaporeans, uh, people from Laos or, Malay or Myanmar. So, uh, Hopefully they will be able to do that. But as of now, yeah, I think social media would be, you know, the most practical way to to get updates. As, as All right, yeah. look for him, Pat Dato on Twitter. You're on Instagram. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if you you're interacting with people on Facebook, but you can look for him on there as well. And uh, yeah, get crafty. Look for it on Google on how to be able to to stream uh, Thai league matches. Uh, look for Supan Buri. Uh, that's the team that you want to support. It's either them or Amani Aguinaldo's team, but he's not on the show yet, so we'll forget about his team for the for the time <laughs> being. And that guy is so difficult to find on social media, by the way. That guy's like a ghost. But uh, yeah, I want to respect your time. I know that you just came from training, and rest is very important. So again, uh, appreciate the time, uh, brother. Any time that you want to come back on the show, if there's anything that you want to talk about or speak about, you're welcome to come on at any time. All right. Thank thank you, Jing. You know, it's my pleasure to. To, to speak here and across the across the line, but I, I'm a big fan also of the podcast. You know, I've been listening to some of the episodes, and I think it's great that you know there are people who are talking about Philippine football. I think it's super important this podcast to keep the interest um, of Philippine football at you know at a at the level that is necessary. It's it's everything contributes to development of the sport, really, and then I think. Everybody should be grateful for you know for shows or for podcasts like this uh, for Philippine football. I thank you, that, thank you. I appreciate that, and best of luck on the upcoming game. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this conversation with Patrick Dato, please do subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts, and look for us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. And that is it for us on this Football Friday. We will catch you on the next.